What's up, everyone? This is your host, Rafael Machevsky, and we are going to get right into it. Um, we're going to get back into the top 10 exercises everyone should be doing. And this is going to be part three because I didn't realize that one, I could talk this much about exercise, which just goes to show how vital it is for anyone and any trainer out there to have not only their, you know, 10 to 15 exercises they do with everybody, but variations that fall in line with anatom anatomical, <laughs> anatomical um, variations from person to person. Uh, if people have poor motor patterns, if they have dysfunctional movement due to pain or anything like that, um, this is a term coined from Dr. Charlie Weingroff of uh, something called lateralizations. So you have progressions and regressions, but there's also something along the line of a lateral basis of exercises. So, you know, I can make the, I don't know, argument that a dumbbell alternating reverse lunge could be as challenging as, say, an offset line mat. Why can't I speak today? Landmine reverse lunge. And that's what I consider lateralization. Similar movement, different instrument to um, provide the same stimulus. And it might just feel better on the person. Who fucking knows, right? But it's all dependent on the person that you have in front of you. And that's why it's very important to have your main 10 to 15 exercises and then have those options. So last time we left off at deadlifts. Right. So if you watch part two and one, you'll kind of get the idea of where I'm going with this. If you're new to this episode, um, I'll probably link the first and second episode in the show notes. So definitely watch those or just fucking jump right into this one and then watch those after. Who cares? You know, like make your own journey of education and learning. So here we go. Um, we're going to get into split squats. So before I even do a screen share, let me just chat about why split squats should be in every single person's program and workout. Number one, we are unilateral creatures. We walk with one foot at a time. We don't use two at the same time because we become like kangaroos. But I'm, even a kangaroo, I believe, will take one step at a time. They're not always hopping. Anyway, I don't know why I went that way. Um, so it makes sense to me that if any form of transportation for us to walk requires one leg, it would make sense to me that I would want to train this system of a body to be very efficient on one leg and have the unilateral strength and stability to also put load on it. Because say you go hiking and that requires endurance. Say you go hiking with a backpack, that's 40 pounds because you're going to do a three-day hike. That requires some level of endurance and strength. What if you have a baby strapped into your front and back for three hours because, I don't know, you're going shopping. I don't make any scenarios up. But it just goes to show that you kind of need to work it on, work on single leg strength. And eventually, we're going to go talk about single arm strength. But... Um, in this case scenario, it just makes sense to me. And then from a performance standpoint, if you think of every single sport done on this planet, it's done on one leg at a high 
um, output of power, velocity, whatever you want to call it. So it's in your best interest as a trainer and a client or a fitness goer to train single leg. And again, I'm not bashing deadlifts, squats, and leg presses and things like that. It's just it would require more energy and more things in your body to produce a single leg movement than a two-legged movement. So then if the goal for most people is to burn calories, lose weight, gain muscle, then that's kind of the direction you want to go to. Then at the same time, focusing on the functionality of what our bodies are designed to do. So it's kind of like a win-win. And I don't understand why people will argue about this. And it's usually people that are straight up power lifters, strength coaches from division one schools that live and breathe the barbell. And it's like, there's other things that you can do other than the barbell. And it's funny enough that I actually was just interviewed on a podcast and we like talked about that for like 20 minutes, but that's a whole nother story. So let's get into this whole, um, split squat and all its variations. So as usual, I'm like, how the hell do I share my screen? (laughs) All right, here we go. Number one, I need to get myself a little bit bigger so you can see me. Come on, Zoom, do your thing. So we know that in my last episode, we kind of went through um, just a standard goblet split squat. But there's so many variations of the split squat that I like going through. And one of those things is a double front rack split squat. So usually what I like to do, and I'm going to mute this and make this full screen, is when someone kind of gets strong enough with a you know dumbbell goblet split squat, I like to go into a double front rack position with two dumbbells into a split squat position. And the reason why I like this, so if you look at the nature of where these dumbbells are located, they're not just like resting onto my torso. I'm actually pushing them out a little bit. So now my anterior core has to work a lot harder. So very similar to, you know, the standard goblet uh, split squat, Um, same idea, same concept, challenging the anterior core, but it's very close to me. Right, the moment I start moving that object further and further and further and further away, it becomes very difficult. So in this case, I'm not pushing it all as far as I can. I'm gonna, you know, try to keep it relatively close, but a little bit further off. And like, you know, if you want, like in this video, I'm not doing it, but you can also squeeze them together to create more tension, to activate more things, get a little pec activation, whatever. Do like whatever you feel like, you know. So one you this becomes more of a core exercise than an actual leg exercise and we're going to talk about loading strategies in a second here but you know primarily i work with a lot of general population people and they always the one thing that almost every gen pop person talks about is like oh i want to get a strong core i want to feel my abs i want to you know have that feeling that i'm working my core and it's like we're not going to dedicate a whole hour of just doing like core exercises we're going to do other things. So sometimes you have to kind of trick the person, 
sounds terrible, but trick the client and thinking that, yeah, well, this is going to fire up your core indirectly. But this is one of those things where they feel it and they're like, holy shit, that was like the hardest thing I've ever done. But now you have limitations on how heavy you can go. Because, you know, for most people, if I gave them two 25-pound dumbbells in a front rack split squat position, that is going to definitely fuck their shit up pretty quickly. Like, you have to be relatively strong to hold that. And usually when I get people to start this off, it's like anywhere from 10s to 15s, right? Because a standard goblet, you can go a lot heavier than having two individual weights here, right? And it all kind of really depends on your programming, where you want to go. It's like, do I want to focus more of a core emphasis um, program or do I want to go strictly load the legs as heavy as possible. So it really depends on what your goals are here. And this is where having these like 10 to 15 staple exercises that you do and having variations of them to tweak the program. And that's where a lot of people kind of overthink programming is that they need like thousands of different exercises to do. But over time, you'll soon realize it's the same shit over and over again, just with a different emphasis. Right, so now let's say we're looking at the idea that we want to, you know, load the legs. So if I'm going to go with that approach, then let's just do a standard split squat with the dumbbells by our side. Again, this is not rocket science, it's just another variation in the split squat position, right? So in this case, we can um, load this a lot more and the only real limiting factor is your grip. So if I watched my, this was probably, I don't know, month, two months ago where I did a whole episode on the benefits of farmer carries, then you'll understand that if I am programming properly and I have carry variations in the very beginning, and this is what I do with every single person is I have some sort of farmer carry to ensure that their grip is up to par when we get to heavier loading strategies. And if you test the grip of any general pop, it's quite poor, it is very poor. And a good example of this is even for yourself listening, if you're just an avid fitness goer or a coach, you'll know that primarily when you have, say, a female client doing lunges, split squats, whatever it is, say with like 20 pounds, and they're like ready to go to the next one, and they go to 25s, you can see that their grip is already like toast. They're, it's like they can't hold on to the dumbbell, and like it's usually the pinky and the ring finger that kind of lose grip, and it's like they're holding on for dear life in this like weird position. And for dudes, it's like, you know, transitioning from like 25s to 30s or 30s to 35s, the same thing happens. So over the years of me training in the trenches, as they call, um, which by the way, I need to like talk about one of my biggest pet peeves is like these young online coaches that are training people online that may have trained people in person for a year without a full client load. And because online training is this hot trend now, and like I've been online training way before it got popular because of COVID they don't have the experience that most coaches do like myself, where they spent years, if not decades, training everyday people in front of them 
and been exposed to so many different things like injuries, anatomical differences, um, this exercise hurts my elbow, and figuring out ways around that. When you train people online, you're not going to have that exposure because unless you are literally doing a video Zoom call like this, watching the person train and then having that experience, which most online coaches don't do, they write out a program for you to follow and they check in with you every so often. They're not going to have the tools to ensure your safety and progression. That's why a lot of people are like, oh, I don't really want to do online training. And I pride myself on having now 12 years of experience in person and continually to have experience in person because I'm never going to stop in-person training because it's too valuable for my future and the future clients that I have. Because the more I am exposed, the better I can be for my next client, right? So if you're ever considering an online coach, one, you should ask me, but that's a selfish plug. But if there's somebody that you really want to train you, the number one question should be, how many years have you trained in person? And you'll quickly realize that it's not a lot or they stopped and it's been like six years before they've ever trained someone in person. And, you know, it's funny enough that when I first started my career, I was looking up to coaches that were training full time in person and go on to the online route and a few of them that I know personally ended up coming back in person because they felt that they kind of lost touch of what true coaching is and they needed that exposure again to apply to their online clients. Whole nother thing. Anyway, split squats. Grip strength with programming comes in handy. Really really, really comes in handy because now if we know that we're focusing on grip strength in the beginning, when we get to a point where we want to load things that require grip to train something else, like in this case, the legs, then you don't have to worry about regressing, figuring out how to load it heavier, put a weight vest on, like all that kind of shit. So if you train properly with grip strength in the beginning, when we get to split squats and we want to go heavy, we're good to go. All right. I need to move on because I can like, I feel very tangenty, if that's even a word, tangent, tangenty. Anyway, um, the other variation I like to use is just a simple offset front rack position. And again, this is limited by how much you can load it, but if you want to challenge someone's stability and core stability, this is the kind of way to go. And again, you're kind of, again, like I said, limited with how much you can load it, but a great variation that I use quite often. Um, let's get the, to the next one here. See, I really like this variation of the offset split squat. So another position where you can load it quite heavy and also fight anti-lateral flexion. So I'm a huge advocate of finding exercises that um, do more than just one thing. So in the beginning, yes, I want to stick to the fundamentals. I want to ensure that I'm not you know, missing anything before I progress people. And when I get to that point, it's like, okay, how can I challenge a system that's designed to be on one leg, one arm at a time? Because when we walk, it's opposite arm, opposite leg, not the same. 
things like an offset load is huge. So in this position, not only am I fighting, um, you know, building up my leg strength, but also having the weight on the offset or contralateral load to the leg that's working, I'm also fighting lateral flexion, which is this guy, right? Because our spine can go into lateral flexion and we should be able to stabilize it enough that if I'm holding a heavy load, I'm not going there. Now we go back to grip strength again. If you followed that whole podcast episode I did about um, farmer carries and variations, you'll know that I have a single arm farmer carry in there, which again focuses on grip strength, but also that lateral flexion, anti-lateral flexion piece that most people don't train. So you can see how my brain works is that every time I have a main exercise that I want people to do, like my top 10 that we're talking about today, there's always variations or progressions of it that will filter into all the other progressions and variations of other movements, which is huge, right? So I'm indirectly influencing other exercises that I want to progress, which is like key to programming and breaking through plateaus, right? Programming is an art and people who just decide to go online and download a program and in hopes that it's going to fix all their problems are like on a different level of stupidity. Sorry, but it's, it's true. Like it's almost equivalent to like you going on WebMD trying to figure out why something hurts or what's this bump on my knee. And you're like, fuck, I have cancer. It, it very well could be, but most likely it's not because you're self-diagnosing. It's the same here. You're trying to self-diagnose what you need for exercise, which is like, come on. Anyway, other split squat variations. Because <laughs> there's there's so many that you can do. Uh, da, 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 da. So as you can see, I have a lot of videos. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to my YouTube channel because we're almost at 400. The more... Um, people that subscribe to my channel, the more I can reach and we can grow this thing together. Next thing, this is probably going to be the last one that I show, lateral split squats. So different exercise, but still a split squat. So if you look at this nature of the split squat, we're going into a different plane of motion. So all um, split squats, lunges are all in the sagittal plane, which is going straight. Here, we're now in the frontal plane. Think of like a mirror going across this way. And a lot of people kind of overlook the frontal plane and they only train in the sagittal, right? It's a lot of like, I'm going to squat, I'm going to hip thrust, I'm going to deadlift, I'm going to lunge. That's all sagittal. Frontal is side to side. So a lateral split squat fits in there perfectly. And where do most people's weaknesses come from is from the frontal plane because they don't work those lateral stabilizers in their hip. So if we go along the whole idea of, you know, we're working in the split squat, like category of all the 10 exercises that I do. Now we kind of understand like all these different load loading strategies, right? So we have, you know, the dumbbells by our side where we can load heavy. We have a goblet position that works more anterior core. We have our double rack position, which by the way, I did not 
talk about is the reason why I do this position compared to here, I used to do this all the time and people started resting the dumbbells on their shoulders. Not a big fan. So I turned this way. So now we're also working some like supination and also getting indirect bicep work. And this is another thing too, is that when I train dudes, they're always asking for bicep curls. Fuck, I do bicep curls too when I'm bored, but whatever. I just don't have time to dedicate reps and sets to bicep curls for clients when there's other things that are more important. So this is one way I kind of hide indirect bicep work. And then dudes are like, oh my God, my biceps were so fucking sore after our last leg workout. And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Anyway, um, this is why I like going this way. Anyway, so you can hold this way, offset. And you can also go into an offset with a straight arm just like this to load it even further. So now we have all these different arm positions. And again, there's another one that we haven't even talked about is like having one up here and also one at the bottom too. And, you know, which leg goes back doesn't matter. You can do both, right? So now we have like all these different loading positions for our split squat and lateral split squat. And now it's like the world is your oyster, like whatever you want to do. And I will say that when I start people off, it's always goblet. I like, I want them to get comfortable um, loading their anterior core first before we get into all these fancy hand positions, because sometimes that just screws people up. So I always kind of start with the goblets um, position first, and then we kind of work into all those different hand positions. Now, in this section of split squats, I would also throw in lunges. Again, you can go reverse lunge. You can go alternating reverse lunge. You can go forward lunges. You can go alternating forward lunges. You can go lateral lunge. You can go alternating lateral lunge. You can go into walking lunges. Now you can now take all those lunges that I just said and go here. You can go here. You can go just one. You can go one and at the bottom so many different loading strategies. Again, like now you can see that this one exercise, the split squat has branched out into this huge tree with all these different branches to choose from. Now, say you've been training a client forever. And this is something that's popped up in my mentorship uh, right now is that, you know, I always teach my new coaches that you need to ask the question, why? Why am I doing this exercise? Why did I categorize this? How do, why did I put these two exercises together? In the very beginning, when you're training somebody, it's very obvious why you choose certain things because it's like, well, in their assessment, it is and this and this and this. But the funny thing is that I have had clients um, as long as 10 years and the shortest amount of time right now it's probably been a year. So you have, say, that 10-year client. Fuck, the amount of exercises they have done with me, like, I can't even count and imagine. So at a certain point, it's like, why are you doing this exercise with them? If they are pain-free, no injuries, and are living their best life and see progression all the time, it's kind of hard to be like, well, I'm doing this specific lateral split squat in this loading pattern to improve X, Y, and Z. Sure, I could like come up with something, pull shit out of the air and make a thing. But honestly, I'm like, it's because I needed a leg exercise in their program and we've done everything. 
in the very beginning, it's like their knee hurts and a split squat feels better than a reverse lunge. So we're doing split squats only to make sure it stays pain-free, right? So you can kind of see the difference. Now, on that whole note of like you've been training forever, you're one of those people that get bored really easy with programs. For me, I can do the same shit over and over again and like maybe after six months change it. But there's going to be other ways to, you know, I call it messing people up. (laughs) And one of those things, I think it's, nope. See, I can't even spell. I believe it's this one. So I have a lunge step through, but on the same leg. So carefully watch my feet. I go in a reverse lunge with my left leg going back. And when I come forward, it's my right leg going forward. So a typical lunge step through is like you lunge forward with your right, and then you lunge back with your right. In this case, I'm lunging with the same leg over and over again. And one, this really challenges your brain. It challenges that one leg a little bit more than the other one. And then it's like, okay, let's go to see this next exercise and throw in a kettlebell halo. Like, why not? Reverse lunge at the top halo. So now we have like these kind of advanced, not so advanced exercises just to kind of give you variation on, you know, what we're doing. Um, This becomes a way to keep things interesting, right? So now we have all these different variations of lunges and split squats to choose from. And, you know, now you have so many things to put into your programming for like the next couple of years. So I think a lot of people need to better understand variations, loading strategies, and kind of creativity, right? So like I said before, programming becomes an art and, you know, once you learn the rules, you then can take things to the next level. You know, it's kind of like you take an art class and they kind of teach you, okay, this is how you sketch a circle to eventually look like a human head. Once you do that over and over and over and over again, it becomes very easy. And then you're like, well, I'm getting kind of bored and I know how to do this so easily to create a head I want to draw a background. I want to draw, you know, a sunset behind. I want to draw a palm tree. I want to draw a cat. I want to draw a dog beside this person that I've been drawing forever. That's how I kind of look at programming is when you get started, you want to learn basics so well that it becomes so boring for you that your whole body and self are like, I need to do something else. And that's where the beauty of programming comes in. And then you let all those creative kind of juices flow. And then you build these amazing, beautiful programs for clients. And, you know, I'm going to stop the screen share there because I just realized like talking for quite a while on just the split squat itself. And I'm going to have to do another, like this is going to be like a multi-series thing because I feel that because I've been doing this for 12 years, I have a lot to say 
because I've learned from all my mistakes. And this is like the, one of the very reasons why I want to mentor other coaches because I don't want them to make the same mistakes as me because the biggest thing that I want to come across in my podcast, and this is another reason why I've been doing it for so long is that I want to leave a legacy behind with my name that I try to improve the, you know, fitness industry. And if that's just like, it's literally scratching the surface of like, oh, fuck that Raph guy. Like he really emphasized foundations. You know, he kept it simple. And because I've been following his work, you know, I feel better. I move better, whatever. Like that's essentially what I want to do. And with mentoring other coaches, I can give them all the knowledge that I have in the past 12 years and now save them time to not go down the rabbit holes that I went through. You know, so if I could take my 12 years of experience and like compress it into four years where they could be where I am right now in four years is going to make not only their career more fulfilling, but also influence the fitness industry in a positive way. And, you know, when I first started, I, I would listen to all these different coaches that are really successful that I looked up to and wanted to be like them. And I modeled, modeled myself like them. So if I can take the knowledge that I did over the past decade and pass it on to make them come to these conclusions faster, then it's just a win-win for everybody. So another tangent, I don't know why I'm like that today, but I'm going to leave it there. We're going to do another addition to this because I have a couple more things we need to talk about. Um, but hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Um, subscribe to my YouTube channel, please. Let's hit that 400. My goal is to hit 500 by the end of this year. So let's make it happen. Let's reach more people. And it's been interesting now that it's been kind of getting some um, momentum. People have been commenting on my uh, video. So even if you've been listening forever, like comment on my video because that's going to bump my stuff up in the algorithm. Um, add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. And that's it for me, you guys. Until next time.